the reality is invented for you by people who choreograph it. There's got to be an office in Washington someplace where a bunch of people that you never heard of choreograph reality. It's not just what the next photo op is going to be. It's what is the interpretation of a given international event. And this has to be generally dispensed through the media with no questions asked. that one <laughs> you're on a, i'm sorry man you're on a roll <laughs> uh, turgid flux and uh you should climb down off your high horse and just move the hell along. oh indeed because riding while high is uh, not recommended especially if your horse is high <laughs> and uh Greetings, friends, and welcome in to this, the 145th edition of Fusebox, bombastically entitled Turgid Flux. And uh, I'm your wearing my mask on the inside host, Mark Rose. And over there, across the Great Plains and turgid tundra is the always socially distanced by default. The deacon of decibels, Milt Keynes, everybody. Thank you kindly. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm digging the imposed isolation, bro. It, it doesn't bother me at all. Yes, I uh, suspected that uh, would be the case with you, sir. Now, I gotta say, the whole uh, grocery shopping thing, that's a bit of a drag. I mean, waiting in line to get into a store takes longer than actually getting the shit I need and getting the hell out. Yeah, 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 I hear you. But, but uh, you know, it is, after all, for the safety of uh, everyone concerned. It, it seriously is. I, uh, I think they're handling it uh, pretty well around here. Uh, we find ourselves in the, uh, the state of uh, Oregon, Portland, specifically. Uh, people just, uh, they understand the seriousness of the situation and are uh, trying to do uh, the right thing. Unlike some places I could mention. But we'll get into that. I uh, wanted to mention at the top here that the show title for this episode of the program comes uh, from a prior unreleased interview for New Zealand television by filmmaker Jeff Stephen, with, uh, of course, the great Frank Zappa, part of which we uh, actually showcased at the pre-roll to this program. And Frank, of course, called most of popular TV at the time an example of turgid flux. (laughs) Or if you prefer, an overblown, uh, pompous flow of poot, if I may suggest. Still is. For the most part, or at least the popular part. Although, you know what? I think uh, Frank would be rather pleased, though, with this uh, more recent 
seriously, golden age of programming. As there's a, there really is. There's a lot to like these days. Uh, he pointed out in that interview that if a show has a high curiosity or uh, uh, intrigue level, it'll become very popular. But of course, as the newness or the interest level of a said show becomes more uh, formatted and uh, kind of uh, middle of the roadish, well, then naturally the program starts to lose eyes and ears. But why don't these people figure out what the, the bottom line is really and its interest? If you always play it safe, the interest factor goes down. And Well, it seems like common sense, right? Sadly, uh, this has not been the formula used by most uh, networks over the years as they mostly were looking for the safe and uh, time-tested thing, which, you know what, by its very existence has uh, the seeds of its own destruction baked in. Bland is as bland does. Yeah, it's kind of like what happened to radio too, man. I mean, uh, as it became more about, you know, know, like moving products and less about the actual music, the thing just died over. Well, you know, it had help too. Uh, Mobile media and the uh, trend away from the time-based programming. On demand is uh, the model now, especially now with this uh, quasi house arrest style imposition being in effect. Uh, yeah, so there we are. But uh, but we'll we'll take a uh, short pause and uh, rearrange some papers to make it look like we're busy. But when we return, some observations on the current viri situation and some highly uh, turgid pandemaniacs at large. My, you certainly know all about dishwashers. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. TheFuseBoxShow.com So, in our present COVID-19-infused world, I was struck by a phenomena or two. So would that be phenomenae? Phenomenae? Beats the fuck out of me, Patron. Well, we've been hearing a lot frequently, and then more again, and one more again, again, from that orange guy in the White House that we, meaning the USA, or uh, the United States of Awesome, as our uh, colleague in audio crime Jeff Pollard would say, that we here in the U.S. are doing more testing than anyone else in the world. Well, sir, we are the third largest country in the world behind our friends in Canada and Russia at the top there. It's quite clear that uh, our fearless leader does not understand the term per capita as it applies to uh, people tested ranked by a size and a population formula. In other words, you got to compare apples to apples and uh, not apples to pangolins. Thank you. This means South Korea has tested roughly one in every 144 of its residents. And in the U.S., the per capita testing rate is closer to one in every 900 residents. Which, if you do the math, puts the U.S. at 41st 
in the ranking of countries doing testing based on population. So, you, you know, there's over 330 million folks living in the U.S. Yeah, most of them are still waiting for a stimulus check. <laughs> well, unless you're a major corporation masquerading as a small business. Well, we'll fix you right up. Uh, got mine, finally, by the way. Well, that's good. Well, now you don't have to sell that other kidney. <laughs> right. So this, uh, we've done more testing than anyone statement is a wee bit, uh, uh, yeah, turgid. Other countries have been uh, markedly more efficient in covering their territories, even with smaller populations, uh, mostly due to uh, really pretty grand management of resources like uh, Iceland and New Zealand and uh, South Korea, as we mentioned, uh, just to name a few there. But it's not been particularly fabulous here, friends, regardless what the chattering insects in the White House are telling us, which leads me... um, to this rather related second phenomena, fake followers. Are you aware, for instance, Mr. Keynes, that if you were so inclined... Yeah, I'm probably not. <laughs> yeah, but if you were inclined to get a bunch of followers on your favorite social media platform, you could just purchase them. Doesn't surprise me. It's like that uh, verified buyers thing, you know, folks who do those reviews on Amazon. Yeah, indeed it is. And uh, that one is uh, another can of squids, friends. There are so many ways to pull the wool over our eyes these days. Yeah, most sheep hate that. Well, some hate that. Yes, there are, um, quote, places offering these exact services uh, for a fee. Uh, For mere pennies per head, friends, you can amass thousands of followers and be social media influencers just like magic. Well, you know, record companies have done that for years, bro. (laughs) Why, yes, they have. Yes, they have. And uh, you know what? That's precisely where this remarkable innovation uh, came from, or at least uh, was inspired from. Except now, the providers of this uh, eh, service are in faraway lands where they uh, cannot be easily traced or uh, hacked into. I have firsthand knowledge of uh, one such case where uh, an individual was actually told to get more followers to influence a casting decision. As the producer of the uh, said project, uh, wanted to make sure that any of the talent that they hired also had a large group of followers so that they could maximize the marketing potential of the aforementioned project. Just business, they'll tell you. You want fake? This whole social media platform thing is fake. Easily manipulated and manufactured to produce a strategic output of highly questionable data. Now, in a way, this is actually a good thing. It is? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me explain. 
You know how we always hear about the the masses being this or the masses being that? Yeah. Well, this is a clear indication that by creating a buzz or inventing followers that the, quote, masses are not quite as sheep-like as once thought. Because it's taking a lot more buzz and a lot more social media sleight of hand to move the needle now. And as Frank put it... There's nothing wrong with the masses. The masses are very wonderful. We happen to be part of the masses. The only problem with the masses is the way they're treated by mass media and the things that they're fed. Think about that. You, you are what you eat, and you eat what you get fed. We is them, and them is us. It's uh, related, too, to these recent rallies by uh, anti-social distancing and uh, anti-stay-at-home order folks. Now, I get the concern, but these folks with the, the guns and the, the MAGA hats and Trump flags, again... We're looking at a staged commodity, friends. Bunches of these protests have been organized by uh, fringe alt-right groups, or in the case of Michigan, back on April 30th, actual militia members were expressly invited by organizers of the, quote, American Patriot Rally to provide, get this, security. Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see a pattern here? Now, none of these so-called rallies have uh, altered public opinion about uh, state-level shutdown orders. In in truth, recent polls suggest that uh, Americans largely oppose efforts to reopen private business and may even support stricter shutdown protocols. As a matter of fact, Michigan Republican State Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky said of the armed members of the protests, and this is including the militia members now, quote, they do not represent the Senate Republicans. At best, those so-called protesters are a bunch of jackasses. (laughs) Even Fox News' own Sean Hannity said of the, quote, show of force in Michigan that while everyone has the right to protest, protect themselves, and try to get the country open. This, with the militia look here, and these long guns, uh, no. Show of force is dangerous. That puts our police at risk. And by the way, your message will never be heard, whoever you people are. Well, Sean, uh, can I call you Sean? Uh, These people are, quoting here, private militias that are Armed paramilitary groups who take on extra-legal law enforcement roles. That from Nicole Hemmer, assistant professor at the Miller Center of Public Affairs at the University of Virginia. She continues, They often have uniforms or insignias, and some engage in training exercises modeled after military exercises. That sense of having law enforcement responsibilities generally separates them from other fringe groups. The growth of these groups in the 1990s was, as you might guess, fueled by fears of gun restrictions instigated by the passage of the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act and in the 2000s by the election of a Democratic and Black 
president, she said. Hammer also said this, which is downright shocking as it uh, hits really close to home here, <laughs> literally. In 2017, the Oregon-based Multnomah County Republican Party passed a resolution stating that the party, quote, may utilize volunteers from the Oregon Three Percenters, Oath Keepers, and other security groups. What? Are you kidding me? No. Serious as a murder hornet. Uh, she, she goes on. For militia members serving as, quote, security at the anti-shutdown protest doesn't just provide more visibility, but also offers a useful networking opportunity, one that allows them to share their message by arguing that the coronavirus shutdowns prove their point about government overreach. So how come they're always bald with a beard wearing a camo jacket? <laughs> now, now, Mr. Gaines, we, we should not profile well, like that. But Look at this picture. Look at that. There's six guys standing there with ARs. And every damn one of them has a beard and a camo jacket on. Wait. You know, that, that actually might be a sign that they got these folks from Central Casting, actually. Cheaper. Oh. Oh, hell yes. And uh, speaking of civilian actions and uh, this case... I am more than inclined to uh, agree with, and uh, it's it's ramping up as we speak right now, so let's keep an eye on this one. The uh, Sioux tribes in the state of South Dakota are refusing to remove uh, coronavirus checkpoints they set up on roads which pass through their land. And of course, South Dakota Governor Christy Neem, or Noem, or Nam, or am I mangling that correctly? I don't know, wrote to uh, several tribal leaders last week saying the checkpoints were illegal. But the Sioux say they are the only way of making sure the virus does not enter their reservations. The limited health care facilities would not be able to cope with an outbreak, they say. Makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it, it, it surely does. At present, people are only allowed to enter the reservations for essential business if they have not traveled from a COVID-19 hotspot. They must also complete a health questionnaire before doing so. So the governor is threatening to take the two tribes, the Oglala Sioux and the Cheyenne River Sioux tribes, to federal court if they do not comply. Quote, the checkpoints on state and U.S. highways, and if they don't come down, the state will take the matter to federal court. Evidently, uh, tribes are uh, uh, meant to get permission from state authorities if they want to close or restrict travel inside their reservations. Wait, it's their reservation, right? Correct, sir. Well... Why do they need to ask these idiots permission to use their own land? That's like Cheeto Boy saying he has complete authority to do what he wants and fuck the states. He is clearly mistaken. It's not a monarchy yet. So the uh, chairman of the Cheyenne River Sioux tribe, Harold Frazier, 
issued a statement in response uh, to the governor on Friday saying, we will not apologize for being an island of safety in a sea of uncertainty and death. You continuing to interfere in our efforts to do what science and facts dictate seriously undermine our ability to protect everyone on the reservation, he added. With the lack of resources we have medically, this is our best tool we have right now to try to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe only operates an eight-bed facility on the reservation and no intensive care unit for the 12,000 people that live on the reservation. Oglala Sioux President Julian Bear Runner says, Miss Noem's or Neem's decision threatened the sovereign interest of the Oglala people due to the lack of judgment in planning of preventive measures in response to the current pandemic, COVID-19. The Oglala Sioux Tribe has adopted reasonable and necessary measures to protect the health and safety of our tribal members and our other residents of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Mr. Fraser says the main purpose of the checkpoints is to monitor and try to track the virus. We want to ensure that people coming from, quote, hotspots or highly infected areas, we ask them to go around our land, he told CNN. There were about uh, 198 cases of COVID-19 among uh, Native Americans in the state. Uh, According to state health department figures quoted by CNN, the state has more than 3,500 confirmed cases and at least 34 deaths, according to Johns Hopkins University. And uh, by the way, South Dakota is uh, one of a handful of U.S. states which uh, have not issued stay-at-home orders Uh, to their residents. Yeah, maybe that governor should take a cue from these cats. They seem to be on top of it. And for Christ's sake, stop needing to be right. (laughs) It sure would appear they have the the most sensible idea, given their tenuous situation there. I I, I can totally sympathize with the concern there. You know, it's a much more contained area. And they're on the res. And clearly, they, they're not equipped to handle any uh, serious outbreak of any kind. It would devastate that uh, medical system of theirs there. I don't know. I, I, I say, let them continue. At least, they are doing something proactive, which uh, is so, so much more than I can say for this situation. Well, friends, we know that uh, down there, that's right, down there in that sandy and carefree land where the sun shines forever and the roaches eat cat food just out of defiance. What are you looking at, moron? Cut the light out and get the frack out of here. Do it! I'll fly at you. I mean it! I'll fly right into your stinking hair and shit! Yes, where the beaches are open and free to frolic on and to leave all your trash. Keep Brevard Beautiful, a volunteer organization that organizes 
trash pickups around the county has recorded a large increase in trash on the beaches compared to other years. According to the KBB, Deputy Director Brian Bobbitt last weekend saw a heavy influx of uh, trash on the beaches. Over 13,000 pounds of trash were picked up at Cocoa Beach last weekend, less than a month after it reopened on April 21st. As a result, officials are cracking down on littering, increasing fines and enforcement. Littering in Cocoa Beach can now fetch offenders a $250 fee. Volunteers with Keep Brevard Beautiful picked up 33 bags of trash from Friday beachgoers, 122 bags for Saturday, and 142 bags for Sunday. That overshadows an average of fewer than 10 bags for just a given day while beach access was, of course, restricted due to uh, coronavirus. Now, uh, those previous 10 bags, were those uh, washed up on the beach mob guys? Perhaps. Perhaps, Mr. Keynes. Or the thinning of the con man herd. You know? Sad. Yeah. Normally, there is an uptick, but what we've seen this past weekend is way above normal, Bob had said. It's equivalent to 4th of July and Memorial Day weekend. People need to understand if they leave trash on the ground, a bird, fish, or sea turtle could be killed by it. It's not just a blight issue. It's an environmental issue all around. Bob had said people who want to be even more helpful can take their trash and recyclables with them to prevent bins on the beach from overflowing. We encourage everyone to come and enjoy the beaches, but uh, pick up after yourself. Fucking slobs. Where'd you grow up? In a barn? Can't take them anywhere, Mr. Keynes. Seriously, remember that old camping tip? If you came in with it, it goes out with you? I mean, well, this one, this one might just be a subconscious reaction to the uh, aforementioned slobismness. A, uh, <laughs> gonna have to sit down for this one. A Florida police officer accidentally drove over the hip of a man lying on a beach in Indian Shores, a town in Pinellas County on the west central coast of Florida. During an evening beach patrol... Yeah. The 66-year-old beachgoer William Cazares was taken to Bayfront Health Hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries, the sheriff's deputies report. Officer Natasha Hindman was reported to be driving a marked police car, a Ford Explorer cruiser, at a slow speed along the beach around 6 p.m. local time, when the left tires of the vehicle drove over the man's hips, according to the sheriff's office. Hinman was reported to have stopped the vehicle and immediately administered aid to Cazares, 
while paramedics arrived at the scene. Yeah, but she was still parked on him. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be very complicated. Yes, the incident, which uh, took place just south of the 193rd Avenue Beach access area, is uh, under investigation. Speed and impairment were not factors in the incident. Investigators said. Well, the car was high, but what the hell? <laughs> uh, masterful, Mr. Keynes. Just call me the continuity king, bro. That's right. I think you should, in fact, be crowned for that <laughs> remark. <laughs> yes. What are we to do, friends? Except ask that time-honored question that has been honored throughout time in a form of a question. What the fuck, Florida? <laughs> oh. And with that, we'll take our overinflated selves and squeeze between the floorboards, but not before thanking our contributors to this edition of Fusebox, Sabra May and Joshua Willis. Thanks, as always, to the hand-sanitized excellence of the doctor of dials himself, Milt Keynes, for technical assistance. Pleasure as always. Oh, and uh, may your flux always be turgid-free. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you. I hear eating bran can help, too. <laughs> uh, a world of thanks to you, friends, for pushing play on this edition of the show. We would be so, so very alone and somehow putrid in our desiccant misery. Yeah, you gotta ease up on those shrooms, bro. Yeah, it's one porcini over the line, man. Yes, and if you would be so kind, please subscribe and uh, rate and uh, like and whatever is available to you for this particular program, wherever you may have found it, be it uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or the very mysterious Onsug itself at onsug.com. We would so very much appreciate that. And uh, while you're at it, why not pick up a handy Fusebox face mask? It's all the rage these days and <laughs> in some places mandatory and can be found in a variety of styles in the Fusebox store, conveniently linked in the show notes and uh, at, of course, the Fusebox Facebook page. Simply click the little Shop Now button located there as well as the Fuseboxshow.com and just click the Shopping tab. Wondrously easy and fun for the whole family. Yeah, greatly appreciated on this side as well. I have been your crunchy on the outside, chewy on the inside host, Mark Rose, saying, please do stay safe and uh, by all means healthy. And until our next cartoon. Thank you.